Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we're waiting. Alright ladies and gents, it's your buddy Adam back with another episode of the Golf and Filter Podcast. I am here with Mr. Dan Hauser, head writer over at CountryClubsInFlorida.com. Dan, how are you today? I'm good, how you doing? I'm doing really well, and uh, Dan and I were talking a little bit uh, before we started going here. I actually put out a uh, just a, a blanket request on Twitter to say who wanted to talk about the Ryder Cup tonight, and uh, Dan stepped right up to the plate, so much appreciated. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been uh, that, was a, that was a whole lot of fun to watch yesterday, so I'm glad to get to talk about it a little bit. Absolutely, I knew I needed to, somebody on who knew a little bit about golf to talk about this because I enjoyed it immensely. But uh, we'll, we're going to get all into that here in a little bit here. But uh, Dan, why don't you let us know and let our listeners know a little bit about yourself and who you write for and how you got involved with uh, writing about golf? Yeah, well, I'm uh, born and raised in South Florida. You know, the uh, quote unquote unofficial capital of the golf world, so to say. So naturally, there's been a golf club in my hand pretty much from uh, the time I could walk. Just always a big golf fan growing up. Uh, naturally, given my age, I'm uh, just a, shy, a hair shy of 30. So obviously, I grew up in the uh, in the Tiger generation. I'm very much a uh, a Tiger Tiger kid, so to say. Obviously, I grew up watching Tiger's entire career, and that really kind of got me into more of watching golf on TV. And from there, um, you know, I've always been a big fan of sports and a big fan of uh, of, of writing, and getting to talk about sports. And I just kind of sorted to. Uh, I guess you could say filter towards the golf side of things. Uh, my website, I've got Country Clubs in Florida. Uh, I've been doing that for about three or four years now. Um, I've been lucky enough, uh, you know, to meet some great people through the website and through social media, yourself included. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to cover some some events down here in, uh, in Florida. Obviously, uh, you know, covered Bay Hill the last few years. Unfortunate about the passing of, uh, of Arnold Palmer. He was a great man that I was fortunate enough to uh, – to meet on a few occasions covering a tournament, never, never got the courage up to asking for a picture. And obviously now that's kind of one of my bigger regrets, but that's okay. Just the fact that I got to, you know, be around him and listen to him speak was just an absolute, uh, you know, absolute pleasure in life that I'll always remember. Awesome. Yeah. I've never had the opportunity to meet, uh, Mr. Palmer, but that's, that's amazing that you had the opportunity to, and I was, that's actually a question I was going to ask you have, uh, you know, someone in Florida and you basically just answered it right off the bat that you were able to cover, uh, the Bay Hill Invitational a couple times. And so, you know, looking at your website here, um, and you're a man of my own heart here because the original uh, address of, or the original title of my site was chicagoduffer.com. And I pretty much did very similar to what you're doing. You know, I wrote about local golf as well as the PGA Tour. And so uh, mm-hmm. you said you've been doing it for about three or four years now? Yeah, I have. And, uh, you know, it's funny uh, you mentioned that with the Bay Hill. I remember the first year I ever got um, – uh, credential to cover the tournament it was kind of a last minute thing that I was able to acquire the credential and I remember um, uh, you know Arnold Palmer that the Wednesday before the opening round always kind of held his state of Bay Hill address so to say and um, I remember I remember I woke up because I'm, I'm locally down here in Jupiter I'm actually just about 10 minutes up the road from PGA National where they hold the Honda Classic every year I remember I woke up here about about 5 a.m. got in my car and drove up to Orlando to make sure I could be on property and early enough to get situated and listen to him 
give his uh, give his you know uh, his press conference because I just thought to myself, first time I was ever covering that, first time I get to be around him like that, I'm thinking I just I just want to sit there and I didn't even I didn't take notes, I didn't tweet anything, I didn't record anything, I just sat there and I just listened to every word that came out of his mouth and it was just absolutely one of the highlights so far of my uh, of my of my uh, writing career by far. Amazing stuff, and I I could only imagine how exciting it was to meet him. And I know I I've only met a a, a handful of uh, touring pros, certainly none of the stature of of Arnold Palmer. So I can only imagine how uh, exciting that must have been. It was uh, I, you know I'm having trouble even articulating the the words to put it together. It was just it it'll probably end up going down as one of the highlights of my uh, of my of my writing career. I can't I can't imagine too many things that could possibly upstage that. At least at this point, that's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about just the amazing spectacle that we all witnessed over the last three days, that, uh, being the Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, first and foremost, Dan, were you able to watch all three days of it in the comfort of your own home, or what was your setup like for watching the Ryder Cup? Did you go out to a bar, or did you just watch it at your house? My setup on Friday was uh, was out of my office, watched it out of my office there because I was still doing, you know, as much as I was watching the Ryder Cup and I had it on all day and was doing, I was doing a couple little other things here and there with some other side projects I've been working on as well with some of the, uh, the local area courses down here. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, I did not leave my couch pretty much all day. I thought about, <laughs> and, and and that's rare for me on a weekend because usually I'm out and about watching football games. Obviously, being down here, I'm a diehard Hurricanes fan, and I didn't have to worry about the Dolphins this weekend because they'd already lost on Thursday. Right. But I'm always out on the weekends watching college football, watching NFL football. I didn't see a minute. I watched my the Hurricanes game for a little bit kind of in the background, but I didn't see a minute of NFL football yesterday. And I've got three fantasy football teams. I didn't even <laughs> – I did completely neglect – I mean, I set my lineups, but I completely neglected what was going on uh, during the day. There were a couple times I thought about getting out, but with all the big college and, and NFL games yesterday, I, I figured one of two things was going to happen. Either I was going to go and ask for them to put the Ryder Cup on, and I was going to get booed out of the bar, or I was just going to keep getting the stink eye in the corner of the bar all day as I tried to watch it on one of the TVs. So I opted to uh, – basically sit on my couch for the entire weekend and watch uh, watch every shot in, in all its glory. That's, that's awesome. And actually, uh, I'm in the Chicagoland area, and we had some pretty shitty weather throughout the last three days. Um, and even today, it's, it's still raining. And I, it just really set itself up nicely to do exactly what you just mentioned, to sit my ass on the couch and just watch Ryder Cup and enjoy every minute of it. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better uh, TV viewing weekend, I guess you could say, in terms of weather. Absolutely not. And yeah, the weather's been pretty crappy down here uh, the last few days too. So it made it all the much easier just to to just park it on the couch and just uh, watch watch the magic unfold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what we witnessed. I mean, uh, you could go any day of the week there as far as the best play that you saw or the best you know uh, round or the best shot or any of that nature. But really, let's start with the American hero Patrick Reed. I mean, there was a lot of talk going into the into this event about Patrick Reed, what he was going to do, how he was going to play. I would say he probably capitalized and, and did everything and then some that people thought of him. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I almost be, I'd almost be willing to go so far as to say that that eighth hole against Rory on Sunday could very well be the defining moment of his entire career. And I understand he has a lot of career left and presumably several majors left to win, but uh, that whole, just everything that took place on that eighth green on Sunday with the, with the, the birdie bombs and waving in his waving the finger in his face and, and pumping the crowd up. I mean, that very well. And, and you know what? I'll tell you what right now. If that's the defining moment of his career, he's had a great freaking career. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, that, it, it doesn't get much bigger and better than that. You know, green jackets and U.S. Opens aside, I understand that majors are a pinnacle. But, I mean, he, he literally morphed into an American hero this weekend, and we saw it happen right in, front of our, right in front of our eyes. It was absolutely phenomenal. 
And he just owned it, too. I mean, he went in and he knew what people were saying about him going into this. And obviously, he's got a lot of backstory, too, with his personal life and a lot of things that go on in, in the world of Patrick Reed. And readers of my site know exactly what I'm talking about. But he just mm-hmm. stood up and he, he absolutely welcomed every little part of it. And I think we, we, we expected that, obviously. We saw that out of him uh, at Glen Eagles two years ago when he was shushing the crowd. We saw a little bit of that from the European side this year. Uh, and that kind of segues into someone who I thought was absolutely fantastic was Thomas Peters for the European side. He was the guy that brought out the first shush of the Ryder Cup this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk about somebody who had his hello world moment. Uh, it was Thomas Peters this weekend. He's absolutely – American golf fans now know who Thomas Peters is. I mean, for us golf hardcore golf guys, you know, we knew who he was from getting up at the crack of dawn, you know, and watching the European tour and whatnot. But the American general American golfing public knows who Thomas Peters is now. Absolutely. If they didn't already. And uh, just one more thing to touch back there as well with Patrick Reed. I mean, the, you know, he's, he's had that kind of quote unquote cult following on golf Twitter. I mean, I think I, I'm, I was part of that. You know, I've, I've been all in on Patrick Reed uh, for basically since he dropped that top five uh, comment after, after Doral as, as cocky and arrogant as it was, I loved every minute of it because, we don't see that at golfers, and I'm thinking this guy knows what's up. This guy's got it down pat. He's going to say what he wants to say. Nobody else might believe it, but damn it, he believes it, which is awesome. Right. But uh, he, he became he, – everybody, all, all American golf fans now are absolutely in love with Patrick Reed. He has turned everybody on to him. It was, just, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was beautiful to watch. It was, just, it was absolutely beautiful to watch, and it was just the – whole, the whole weekend, I mean, you had – Brent Snedeker, I thought at one point was literally going to self-combust. Like I thought he was just going to explode <laughs> from the inside out. When you got a guy like that, Matt Kuchar was do, was 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 pumping up the crowd. You have guys like that who don't ever do that, and they're getting involved in it. I mean, that's that's all you need to know right there. Andy Sullivan shushed the crowd at one point. Andy Sullivan right. shushed the crowd. It, it, it was just it was it was magic. It was magic the whole weekend. <laughs> Yeah, Snedeker. I mean, I remember watching that guy just get all fired up and screaming, and I thought his head was just going to pop off. I mean, he, he was absolutely phenomenal to watch, and even Kuchar. And then how about and then how about and then how about him on Saturday? Him and Zach Johnson on Saturday afternoon when they got benched, they're sitting there with the fans on the first tee wearing Viking hats. <laughs> I mean, how great was that? That was yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't see that out of those two guys too often, but you know it's, it's no, absolutely never. fantastic. It just brings out the the Ryder Cup brings out the best in all these guys, and even the fans. I mean, even as you mentioned. Uh, you know, you've got so many fantasy football teams, and you weren't even worried about watching fantasy football over the, on Sunday. I mean, it was singles matches time for the Ryder Cup, and I was in the same the same boat with you. Uh, but uh, the European side, I mean, obviously the the match that everyone's going to talk about, one of two matches, I would say, is the Patrick Reed uh, Rory McIlroy singles match on Sunday. Uh, Rory. Uh, he played extremely well, I felt, but I wanted to get your take on how, how much of a leader and how well Rory uh, played up to the, his role as the leader uh, these last three days. Well, I, I think Rory Rory definitely – and it, it's so funny because if you, if you think about it before the Ryder Cup happened, and you know what, it might very well go back to that starting next week, kind of in the golf world, Rory was kind of looked at as the, as the hero, and Patrick Reed was kind of looked at as the heel, so to say. They reversed roles perfectly this week and it, and it all set up perfectly for that Sunday singles and they both absolutely embraced it. I mean, no question Rory was a heel this week and he could not have embraced it anymore. I mean, he was that the, the, the angrier and more abusive the crowd got at him, the better he played golf and he would yell at them and they would yell at him and he would yell back louder at them and he, they would yell back louder and it would just keep going back and forth. And he, he just, and he, he said himself, he just, he was so fueled 
by the hatred of the fans that he just played some truly inspired golf this week. And, you know, it's, it's almost a shame. And obviously they could have had a half point. It's almost a shame that both Rory and Reed couldn't have both gotten a full point out of that. Cause there's no question. They both deserved a full point out of their efforts that they put forth uh, right out of the gate on Sunday singles. No question. And this being Rory's fourth Ryder cup appearance, his first appearance back in 2010, then back once again in 2012 and 2014. And then of course, over the last three days, we saw him, uh, Patrick Reed handed him his first singles loss. Rory is now 2-0-1 in his uh, illustrious career in terms of Ryder Cup record. Uh, I see this, at least Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy, being a back and forth for years to come at this event. Uh, I don't necessarily know how we can get two guys who are going to be more spirited and more energetic every single time they step onto that golf course. No, and I mean, if, obviously it's blind draws in the Ryder Cup. It's not like the President's Cup where you can set it up to how you want it for matchups wise. But if we can, if we could be lucky enough to have Rory against Patrick Reed for the next 10 years, what, what in the Ryder cup Sunday singles, what more could you possibly want or ask for? I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't get much better than that. There's, I don't think you find, I don't think you'll find two more inspired, passionate guys that, that get in or all in on the Ryder cup than those two. And it's really interesting too, because, Rory's first Ryder Cup in 2010, he was very not he he wasn't very into the Ryder Cup. He you know he he's you know he even made a point to say you know it's just an exhibition. What's the big deal? It's just an exhibition. Well, uh, Rory in 2010 meet Rory in 2016 because that guy was <laughs> not just thinking this is just another exhibition. I'll tell you that much. Not with the way he was he was acting this week. So I, <laughs> could you imagine if we got that for 10 more years? I mean, oh. I, I just I can't even fathom how great that would be. I mean, it would just <laughs> it, it would it would it would change golf as we know it. <laughs> It's, it's an exciting thing to think about. And, I mean, in the same line, we had another, uh, as if one wasn't enough, but we had another great match on Sunday between Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia, two veterans, two legends in their own right. Uh, Sergio, I would say, for his own reasons, but we'll leave that for another conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, they both go out. They both shoot 63. They make 19 birdies between the two of them. I mean, that had to go down as one of the classic all-time classic matches in Ryder Cup history, no? Best ball 58. I mean, think about that one for a minute. Best ball 58. It's just, it's, 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 you can say it all you want, and you just can't fully comprehend it. And I don't think I've fully, anybody fully comprehended it when, what they were watching. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting about both those two matches because it's usually, usually um, when, when we get those golf greatest rounds thing, programs that the golf channel does, usually they, they show, uh, you know, the entire Ryder Cup when they happen to focus on the Ryder Cup. Uh, they could do a separate golf's greatest round just on those two matches by themselves. You could have a golf's greatest round for the Rory and Reed match. You could have a golf's greatest round for the for the the Sergio and Phil match. And then you could have a, a third golf's greatest round for the rest of the Ryder Cup. That's almost what it felt like. It felt like those two matches separated themselves from the entire makeup of the Ryder Cup so much and stood on their own. And that's, I mean, this is the same Ryder Cup that produced for us Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka against uh, Rory and Thomas Peters in just in just a Bombers Paradise match too on Saturday afternoon. So, right, you know, it, it's not like the matchups on Friday and Saturday were, weren't great enough, but those two stood out so much on their own just because of the quality of golf that we saw. And you know, I mentioned this on 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 Twitter when it was happening, you know, but how fitting was it for both Phil and Sergio that they had that match? Because I feel like that that was almost their careers in a nutshell. They play the best golf they've ever played, and they get they get one up by somebody just playing a little bit better. I mean, how many times have we still seen Phil come and runner up in you know in major championships? Sergio's been 
you know, a bridesmaid countless times instead of winning major championships. Just this year alone, Phil came in second, shot a final round 65 and lost the Open Championship to Henrik Stenson because he went out and shot a 63. So it's it's like it, it was almost like it was destined to happen for these two guys that they were going to go out and shoot 63s and only get half a point out of it because it's been their careers in a nutshell so far. It, that's a very good point, and I did see that when you put it out on Twitter. And, you know, does that do anything for these two guys now at this stage in their career? I mean, you put it beautifully that this is something that's always been their M.O., unfortunately for them, you know. Uh, certainly Phil Mickelson has the majors, Sergio having never won a major. But uh, what does this do for them at this point in the career? I mean, they obvi- obviously can still play at a high level, uh, but do we see them competing in future Ryder Cups at this point? I don't see any reason to doubt Phil ever again. I mean, just in terms of what his career's become, it, 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 he seems to have found, you know, the, the, the golden fountain of life, so to say. I mean, as he's gotten older, he's gotten more and more competitive. I mean, he didn't win his first major until he was, I believe, 33, and he's still. I mean, he should have won an Open Championship this year, this year at 46. If Henrik Stenson doesn't shoot a Sunday 63, he's got an Open Championship major at the age of 46. But um, I think, in the sense of this specific Ryder Cup it was much bigger for Phil than it was for Sergio because after what happened two years ago with Phil just throwing Tom Watson under the bus and backing it up over him four or five times, I mean, those comments essentially led to this, what was the creation of the Ryder Cup task force. So, and then, and then you start the week off with him throwing, you know, throwing um, uh, a previous captain from, from 2004 underneath the bus. So, I mean, yeah. he just, he, he was, he was saying so much this week that he needed to go and back it up with a performance like that on the course. He, they, the U.S. obviously needed to win this much more than the Europeans needed to win it, and I think we saw that um, proof of that and how the Europeans handled their, uh, handled their losing press conference. Notes, note to the United States side, hopefully they were all watching that because the next time they lose, that's how they need to be acting, not like how they acted back in 2014 with that's, that bloodbath. That's absolutely but, uh, a good point. I mean, I was actually very, very impressed with how gracefully uh, Darren Clark and those Europeans handled the loss. I mean, hell, you got Rory McIlroy out there kind of cheering, walking along with Ricky Fowler, cheering just uh, the event itself. I mean, an American wouldn't have done that. No, absolutely. I mean, my, I think I think my favorite part of that whole press conference, and I've just been watching on over and over again today because of just how funny it was when they when they went to Danny Willett and asked him how he how he evaluated his performance, and he just said shit, and the whole yeah. right, the whole the whole European team clapped. They were high fiving him, and then he's like, "Oh, you want me to elaborate? Really shit." And it's just like that. That's that. That was that was the Europeans in a nutshell, though. They just they they have, and and I don't know if it's maybe just because that's how it is over there. You know, obviously they have. Um, a different way with humor than, than, than we do over here. Just look at stuff like Monty Python and whatnot, and you'll get sure, an idea of sure. kind of what their humor is over there. But, I mean, I just I just can't get over to keep watching that. I mean, he said he just said it was shit, had a big smile on his face. He was getting high-fived. Everyone was clapping and hooting and hollering. He was like, okay, you want more? It was really shit. There you go. That's more of it for you. <laughs> what Definitely. more do you want from me? So it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, here it is. I'm going to skip throw it out for you. You American media, this is what it was like. Take it or leave it. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely a highlight in terms of the press conferences. And I think, you know, another great moment on the American side, of course, was Dustin Johnson uh, with horrible champagne cork <laughs> four left. control. Yeah, four <laughs> left. Uh, just a bunch of knuckleheads. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always great to see the players out of their element in a way, you know, at the Ryder Cup, you know, just acting like sports fans. They're not playing for anything other than patriotism or, or uh, pride of their country. And it's just great to see that. And, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time here, Dan. And thanks again for hopping on on very, very short notice. But And I certainly don't want to put a damper on what is certainly a opportunity for American golf fans to celebrate. But if there was any one player on the American side that you really felt didn't pick up 
his uh, didn't pick up his slack in any in any way, or, or didn't play up to the level that he needed to. Who would you say that was? It's tough. I mean, you know, when when you've got a team of all or all twelve record at least one point, it's really tough to say anybody didn't kind of do their job there. But I, I guess if I had to pick one guy, I would say maybe JB Holmes, yeah. um, to an extent. But also to an extent, and this is going to sound strange because he was he had a, a, a successful record this week. Jordan Spieth, you know, I mean, he had a very successful record this week, but that's because he was pair of Patrick Reed. I mean, there's no question anybody who watched Saturday knows that Patrick Reed is strapped on his back. And, I mean, Patrick Reed run, won that match with his own ball only. Jordan Spieth never recorded a single hole that entire, that entire four ball in the afternoon. And, obviously, you know, he struggled again there on Sunday, losing his point uh, on Sunday singles. So he, he wasn't – it wasn't a bad week for him, but in terms of what we've grown to expect from him, I don't think he lived up to his potential there. But like I said, it's really tough to, to, to say one person really dropped the ball when all 12 guys recorded at least one point, and, you, and you, know, you can't say the same thing on the European side. Yeah, it's certainly a, a good problem to have. You know, everyone's playing really well, and you know, I think you, you, you said the name I was thinking as well. You know, I could have possibly said Ricky Fowler. He, Ricky had an opportunity to, to really go down the shitter uh, on Saturday, certainly in the morning when he, I think he shanked a ball out of the bunker and he just was not playing well with his wedges, but he brought his putter with him, man. I mean, Ricky played, uh, putted extremely yeah, he did. well. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you're right about speed. He kind of seemed like he was a little bit in the shadow over, uh, you know, uh, in Patrick Reed's shadow throughout the week, but that was to be expected because I mean, Patrick Reed was just going to be a ball of energy that no one was going to be able to, you know, match at any point anyway. But, uh, you know, like you said, every player of the 12 on the U S team scored a point for the team. And you really can't ask for anything more than that. Uh, even all the way down to Ryan Moore, the, the last captain's pick ended up sealing the victory for the, and how great was that? I mean, he, he, he declined an invite to the practice round that Monday before the tour championship first time in 10 years he didn't even get fitted for an outfit they couldn't even find him a pair of pants that fitted this week and he <laughs> goes out there and he records the lot the final point to, to ultimately seal the deal i mean talk about a great and you know it, it validated the, the task force in terms of saving that last pick for after the short championship that he made that final point it kind of said okay maybe all this this overkill or what we thought was overkill maybe it ended up working out after all yeah we'll we'll, we'll say that at least <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah, for at least at least for today at least for at least for this week all that craziness worked. So, yep, yep. you know, we got that at least. And now we get to start a whole new level of craziness with uh, Tiger coming Absolutely. back in 10 days. So, <laughs> you know, I'll, uh, I don't know, I don't know who the captain of repairs is going to be, but if they need somebody to go ahead and start studying the farmer's almanac, I'll go ahead and uh, take that bullet for them. If they want to give me some free, uh, some free swag and put me on the team. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. Dan Hauser. Uh, Dan, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find your stuff? Uh, Twitter is Dan Hauser Golf. Uh, my website's CountryClubsInFlorida.com. Uh, you'll find a variety of stuff, everything from for any of your listeners that are in uh, South Florida. I've got uh, course reviews from throughout South Florida, as well as extensive coverage of the uh, the, the Florida golfers down here and the and the PGA Tour. And uh, if you like the writing on the website, I do significantly more than that uh, on on Twitter on a daily basis, and especially in tournaments, I'm constantly constantly throwing stuff out uh, out there. Uh, throughout the entire week and weekends of, uh, of tournaments. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go and check Dan out on Twitter. And, Dan, thanks again for uh, hopping on today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Awesome. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back again next week with another guest. Until then, this is your buddy Adam signing off. <laughs>